everybody, and welcome to Read, Watch, Play. I'm Corinne. I'm Justin. I'm Cleo. And I'm James. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about Horizon Zero Dawn by Guerrilla Games. Yeah, so Horizon Zero Dawn, this is... I, I would say, to my memory, it's been a little while since we've done something as recent as this. Um, this came out uh, just kind of a few months before we started recording it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it uh, hit early February. Yeah, so... This is this is the I want to say one of the first games out of the studio uh, that is not a Killzone game. Uh, so, just kind of for some history for the project, this was this was announced a few years ago, um, and it was kind of a big deal because Guerrilla Games, up until now, has really just been kind of the Killzone studio. So, yeah. one of the big things that I feel like sort of makes this particularly interesting is not just kind of what is central to the game itself, which is the stuff that's going to carry forward. But the stuff that, you know, where right now there was kind of a lot riding on this as kind of a studio that was very much established in one very specific kind of gritty first person shooter sort of mode, um, really sort of stretching their boundaries and doing something completely different. So there was sort of like a, a lot riding on it, just sort of, I feel like in like a very kind of broad totemic sense, like this idea of being able to just sort of shrug off kind of everything that you've done up until now and just do something completely new and branch off in a whole new direction, which I've got to say made me just really excited about just the project in general. Um, that kind of just idea of doing something completely different. And so I, I, I don't know, how does, how does everyone think that that worked out? I mean, I will say real quick that I was definitely kind of it's like a rooting for the underdog kind of thing almost Hmm. right they're just like it's a thing that just doesn't really happen that much in games and seeing it happen just makes it that much more interesting i was super yeah i was kind of riding the same wave yeah i mean you don't see a lot of studios that really just kind of work on one thing get to just take such a dramatic turn yeah um well I certainly wasn't invested in any of the, like, goings-on behind the scene. For me, Horizon Zero Dawn just kind of appeared out of nowhere one day in, in my, like, uh, awareness of media and games, and everything I heard was good, and that made me want to play it. So, I, I have no idea about the behind-the-scenes story. Yeah, I just remember seeing the initial trailer back um, when it first came out, and not, I don't know... Yeah, I'm like I'm in the same boat as Corinne. Like I don't know much about that studio or anything like that. I generally am not super aware of those things, but and I remember like being vaguely nervous about the game when it came out because it looked good, and I was I guess feeling a little bit pessimistic about things back then because when something looks good and then is disappointing, it's extra disappointing. But I was very pleasantly surprised i guess when people started talking about it and it all was generally very positive uh and then i guess we should also talk a little bit about just what the general premise of the game is for people who might not be aware of it yet yeah so horizon zero dawn is a game where you get to hunt robot dinosaurs and i feel like in a lot of ways that's kind of all you need to know it really is going into it it's it ends up being a lot more than that. I think very much to its credit. And I think it, to me, it strikes me as a very, a sign of like a really talented team overall. Um, I feel like so often a game with like a, a hook as just like, just instinctively cool as that tends to just double down on that hook and then 
doesn't really go anywhere. Um, whereas this, I mean, it, uh, Cleo, I don't know if you know this, but this is, uh, the, the writer for this game was the, the guy who wrote, uh, Fallout New Vegas. Um, no wonder. Yeah. And so, you know, like, little things like that. And, like, a lot of this was kind of exciting, again, to kind of go, like, a little bit behind the scenes. But back when this project was sort of ruminating, it was kind of known that Gorilla was working on something. There were a lot of rumors that it was going to be big and open world and that it was going to be something very different. And the big kind of, like, the big twist to the whole narrative leading up to it was when they announced that they were hiring the writer of Fallout New Vegas for, you know, that was very much the one where it's like, okay, so this is not just another Killzone game. Like, this is, like, something very different is happening in in the studio and and then that was such like the big thing where then you talk about that first trailer that first reveal and it's just like yep you hunt robot dinosaurs like just it having i don't know i feel like it's one of those things where really it it feels like a team really kind of operating it running on all cylinders creatively right that to really hit that core hook and also to spread it out into a world that feels interesting and fleshed out um but yeah, so in the game, you play as Aloy, who is an outcast from a, a group called the Nora. And the I would say the, the premise of the core story is her wanting to feel a part of this group and deciding to take on a, a ritual called the Proving when she comes of age. And if you succeed in the Proving, you can ask one boon from, from the Nora elders. And hers would be to... It was hers to find out about her mother or just join the tribe? Find out about her mother. Okay. It's a long game, so it's been a long time since I've done the first, like, yeah, I think five her, hours. I think, like, her motivation was to become a member of the tribe, and then... No, you, so she you automatically become a member of the tribe if you if you pass the proving. That's but the, what it was. The boom okay. was that she wanted to know about her mother. Yeah, that was the side effect. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Um, So, her goal is to find out about her mother. She's kind of... it. This this lack of a mother is a particularly big deal in in Nora society because it's a matriarchal society. So this sense of being motherless was very much like a stigma that she's had to deal with through a lot of her life. She was outcast um, when she was a baby for reasons that she doesn't really understand. Uh, so as she she goes through, she sets off to undertake this ritual, and during during the proving, uh, the the candidates are attacked. And a huge number, I believe there are very few surviving candidates and even just other other Nora are killed by this kind of mysterious group. And that sort of becomes the impetus for the plot of the game is finding out who did this, who attacked the Nora, uh, what do they want, what are they doing, uh, how to stop them from doing it again. Uh, and in order to achieve this goal, Aloy is kind of granted the rank of Seeker, uh, someone who can leave the Nora's sacred lands. Normally they're a very insular people, they, they very much stay within this this part of the world and don't really stray out from it very often uh, and those who do are generally outcasts etc so yeah that's kind of the core for the game it sort of spins out from there uh, it grows you learn a lot about uh where and when you are um though the loading screens make it pretty explicit you are in a, a far future kind of post post-apocalyptic earth um which i guess i mean you know spoilers from the topic so <laughs> but it, it was one of those where it's like that's that's not a real big reveal you do it they do i think do a really good job of sort of building you up to where in this post post-apocalyptic earth you are um and sort of keeping that an interesting discovery but yeah so generally you are 
kind of in a in a time beyond and that's actually something i wanted to talk about um we we've talked a lot about our topic being sort of pertaining to the apocalypse and in you know something like tank girl that's sort of all over the place but mad max feels like this very kind of traditional sort of sense of a a post-apocalyptic world kind of in the same sense as fallout you know it's a lot of kind of you see a lot of the destruction kind of ramshackled very dry it feels like you're still sort of dealing with the apocalypse itself in in a lot of ways yeah um whereas horizon takes a very different approach to that you're still you still see ruins it's still uh, a society that's kind of putting itself back together but it definitely seems much later than that it's you know the the societies themselves the the settlements that you find don't you know they feel like it, it feels like a society that is still putting itself back together but it feels like a further on version of that it's not you know like scrap metal kind of hammered together it's not like old stop signs and like those things that feel clearly to be remnants of the old world it feels like new construction using these materials yeah. uh, it's why i when why when i talk about this game i like to use that term post post-apocalyptic because um, it feels like while they are still dealing with the apocalypse itself in uh in the machines that are wandering around it it really feels like the point where it's it's found in equilibrium um which I think is kind of a neat distinction from a lot of you know, kind of post-apocalyptic storytelling. Yeah, it's just one of the other things about the game that's really interesting is is trying to set it in a version of this storyline that people don't really talk about. Like, it feels like there's this idea that if you're not dealing with the apocalypse or with the immediate aftermath of the apocalypse, nobody's interested. And this game definitely kind of flipped the script on that. I also think they did a good job of... Um making it hard to know exactly how many generations had passed since I guess what we could call the post-apocalypse era. Um, You know, certainly a lot of the, the new uh, cities and constructions seem to have been there for a while, but it's hard to say how much and the, but the only like oral history or written history, I guess that we got in the game was more, you know, within the last generation, we got like that much history of of societies. Uh, I think this is actually going to be a really uh, a recurring point. So something that we should probably address head on. Um, this game is enormous. Uh, there's a lot to do. It's a big open world kind of third person action RPG sort of thing. It light RPG elements. Um, but so as a result, I think there are going to be a lot of things where. Um, there's going to be a certain question of just like, oh, did you do this? Did you do that? Uh, should we talk very briefly about what things each of us uh, did do and kind of did see, not like everything in particular, but just kind of set a baseline for that? Uh, because specifically in reference to um, written history, there's one specific side quest where it's incidental to the side quest, but it might be something where if you didn't get a chance to play it, it might be worth checking out because you do see... Um, you do get like some dates and stuff and you get some senses of generationality. Uh, it's, it's certainly not enough to actually answer the question. And I agree that it's great that they leave that very vague, but it was something where I was wondering if you'd seen it. No. And I'm going to posit that we go forward. Uh, we go forward, maybe adding in things that side quests provide, but we talk, but we can't, not canonized, but we talk mainly about the main storyline because there's no guarantee that any of our listeners would have done any number of side quests. Sure. 
Um, so I think it's I think it's maybe fair to speak of you know what the main storyline provides in terms of feel or flavor, and then maybe talk about what side quests add as like interesting notes or expansions on that. Sure. Uh, so everyone beat the main story. Yes. 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 Cool. Um, so how much did everyone play beyond that? I haven't touched the game since I beat it, which is fairly on brand for me. I think mean I think James just means outside the main story, not post main story. Okay, uh, I did side quests up until I hit Meridian, uh, and then mainlined main story quests only from that point on, so that I could get it done in time for this. I was about the same. Uh, I did a uh, roughly one hundred percent completion. Um, I have some like outstanding collectibles and stuff, but I did all the side quests and the errands. Uh, and yeah, I did. Um, oh, your tongues. Um, I played through a lot of side quests and errands. I kind of did all the collectibles, which uh, is something I actually want to talk a little bit about later. Um, but yeah, and then main quest. But I I did kind of stop at a certain point just because it felt like I wasn't getting much kind of back from my time. So uh, one thing that uh, Corinne, you might get a kick out of is if you do the hunting for the lodge. A chain of side quests um eventually you you can find some books that kind of detail the lodge's history with this one specific uh this one specific machine and it's kind of neat because it does give a light sense of that like generations and history um not very much because it's all relative to hunting this one machine but it is kind of a neat uh note of flavor so if you're interested in that uh that might be one worth pursuing at least to like the halfway point uh, when you can start like reading all their secret books, but um, yeah, but I agree though that it's a really interesting thing that they do where it, it it feels very much like an established world in that sense, like it where it feels like the game doesn't care that much about the number of generations since the apocalypse in the same way that something like say Dragon Age doesn't tell you like the number of generations since I mean it, Dragon Age maybe a bad example because that's very much rooted in the Darkspawn and like stuff like that but it doesn't tell you how old the world is it just is because it's the world uh and it's something that i think makes this like a really interesting thing where it's it's not all caught up in its apocalypse so is there anything else that we want to deal with pre-spoiler break yeah so there are two things that i think are pretty safe to talk about pre-spoiler um the first of which is just the environment in general um this is very much an environment exploration game. Uh, and I think, James, before any of us started playing it, except for you, because you had already been playing, um, you were mentioning that the game is almost too beautiful in a way, in that you see a sunrise, and you're like, oh, great, it's like another beautiful, beautiful vista like the last 20 i saw and you almost don't take note of it even though the first time you saw it it's like amazing yeah it's it's one of the weird sort of like ways that i feel like graphics grow in games but like this is yeah this is a really good example of it i saw there were a couple moments like that in final fantasy 15 as well and i remember stuff in but it's little things like that where yeah you just you become so desensitized every so often to just like those sort of emergent or procedural ways that just gorgeous things happen just sort of by accident and like you know on some level that someone worked so hard on all those things and you're just like 
wandering around and it's just like oh yep there you go just like a gorgeous landscape and i mean i remember i don't know, like i remember playing stuff like i mean, like final fantasy 10 or something like that and just when you just wandered around and you're like oh man this is so gorgeous and that now you like it's so easy to just hardly bat an eye at stuff that in a lot of ways can like put that to shame like you know an art style at the end of the day matters a lot more than like actual fidelity but yeah it's it's one of those bizarre things and i think the game does a really good job with that of just kind of casually creating those just like gorgeous moments and just letting you not care about them which feels ridiculous to say yeah i mean there's so many little details also um because one of the favorite things you can encounter in the environment is just all the old ruins and hints of the world that we currently live in um because there will be things like street lamps that have vines on them and they're basically unrecognizable um and there'll be old hollowed out buildings and again you have to really look at them to realize oh this is probably an office um because they do a really good job of making it post post apocalyptic um and that is interesting to think about in comparison to Fallout games where it's you're you have no doubt that this is you know the world that you live in but recently destroyed whereas this is very much a living world um the other thing I wanted to touch on was combat and hunting and those mechanics because I found I found it all pretty difficult and it might just be because I'm I have horrible aim um, and I'm really bad at like stealth but I was curious about what your experiences were like yeah I would say I I definitely thought that it was overall like a challenging game I didn't have too many issues with combat itself my biggest thing with combat was that um i i found myself not using like my full arsenal of stuff as much as i really wanted to it felt like i had like a lot of options at any given time um and it might have been just the fact that you're limited to four on your quick select um but so i i felt very much like it i guess one thing that i felt very consistently was that whenever I had a hard time in combat, I was like, yeah, but I feel like the game is giving me the tools to make this easier. I just am not using them, but that's partially because I had like kind of fallen into a rut of like the things I liked to use. And there was always that part of me that was like, yeah, I could probably like outsmart this encounter, but I never like quite wanted to enough. It was it was a weird sort of balance. It felt like there was a it felt very much, I guess, sort of, I don't know, it's a cliched term, but it was very much like a diamond in the rough. It felt like something that, once it was refined a little bit, could really feel good and interesting and clever. Um, but, yeah, I never I never felt like it was quite there enough to, it, whether it was that I needed the situations to be harder to push me into those other things, uh, or I needed those other tools to be more accessible to me, Uh and so I would use them just more frequently. But yeah, I would say I definitely fell into a rut about about halfway through that I never quite got out of. Um, so I would say, yeah, that was my kind of big thing with the combat. I never found it 
too bad. And the situations where I did find it especially difficult, I felt like it was my fault, but not enough that I actually changed anything. I ended up just sort of brute forcing it until I could, like, just bow and arrow and... Uh, I used the rope caster very occasionally. I wish that that was something that I wanted to use more. Uh, I used the the bomb slings a lot, um, like a lot, a lot. Uh, that really ended up being like it was just like that for elemental damage, and then the bows, and then the rope caster, and that was God. That was really almost all of it. E eventually, I started using the bomb slings just because that ended up being a lot of fun to do, like high damage, but very occasionally. But yeah, so I wonder if it, I don't know, I wonder if I would have enjoyed the combat more if I, like, was exploring my options a bit more, but I never really felt, like, a good enough incentive to do that. Yeah, I feel like I kind of fell into the same problem, and then a little further, like, I, I had my, like, core four, right, that I was using for a little while, and then <clears throat> I had the realization that there was this stuff that I was ignoring, and I... I like changed things up a little bit and I had a brief period where I was being a little more experimental with how I wanted to play. And then I found a new core four and then I basically didn't change it for the rest of the game. What did you um, find yourself using? Uh, once I, what I settled on for the, the meat of the game was uh, the standard bow, the, the like sniper bow, the elemental bow and the rope caster. Uh, so it was just all bows, fuck slings. Um, the the rattler was not a good weapon. I feel like that needed fine tuning. I kept wanting to make that work, and it never. I tried. They were like, "Oh, you should definitely use this at close range. Like that's the. It's like our you know version of a shotgun." And I was like, "Okay, cool." And then when I would end up in like a like a ruin or a bunker or something where there were people and we were stuck in close quarters, I was like, "Oh, I should use the rattler." And then I tried, and I was like, "I'm just gonna go back to using my bow." Yeah. But yeah, once I finally like. I was ignoring a lot of the weapons. I was just like, ah, I don't need these things. Like, I, I have what I like. And, and then I made a point of buying everything and, and actually trying my options. So for a while, I was using just the one sling from all my elemental damage. And I was using the trip caster and stuff. And I just sort of, like, I got rid of those. And the warbow was, like, probably my favorite weapon. Mm. Just dealing elemental damage. I made more machines kill each other than, than I killed half the time. I never even picked up the warbow. And that's, I mean, a lot of that's because um, the the higher tier gear costs like a unique part to to buy as well. And I was at the point where I wasn't doing side quests. Sure. So like, once I sort of got my main loadout, and a lot of the time I only adjusted it because Justin was like, "Hey, you should seriously pick up more things," and I'd pick up whatever I could buy at that moment, mm -hmm. and then just made that work. Uh, I ended up using the elemental sling, the rope caster, the right, the hunter bow, and the uh, the sniper bow. I will say that playstyle wise, I approached a lot of combat uh, from a stealth perspective. Yeah, I did as well, which is weird for me. Mm. I am terrible at stealth games, and maybe like, and maybe it worked here because I was able to just like equip armor and then just mods and stuff to the point where just my stealth stat was high enough that it didn't matter that I sucked. And it was just like, and yeah, you could get the thing where it's like, your running is quiet now. And I could just like run through the middle of a group of enemies just being like, I'm so stealthy. And like the game would <laughs> like, like let, is someone here? Then the game would let me do that because I had put in like the work ahead of time to like let myself cheat. 
and like think that I was good at this. Like I'm just running through and I was just like, man, splinter cells next. (laughs) And that was just like it for me. But yeah, I, I say, but I really enjoyed like the stealth in this game at, at the end of all of it. It was, it was just involved enough to feel like a mechanic I was actively using, but also just like a low enough bar that even an idiot like me could make it work. (laughs) It, like I, I really enjoyed that. It felt like like a pretty solid mid ground to that. Now again, given I had to put a non trivial amount of time and effort into farming mods that would let me like really make it work. Because I feel like the but... stealth mods were super rare. Like I got into yeah. the habit. I I also picked up all the shadow armor, mm. and I got into the habit of like enhancing the armor very specifically so like i had the stealth armor and i put the stealth mods on that i had the fire armor and i put the fire mods on that to make them as good as they could be at their thing it feels like that's what they want you to do probably fun fact i oh, yeah. beat the entire game wearing the the starter armor nice not not because i was like trying to make it harder i wasn't trying to challenge myself there was no trophy involved i just Every time I thought about changing her armor out, I even bought like a couple other pairs of armor. But every time I went to do it, I was just like, eh, I don't know. I like her. I like the old look better. I just I like that look more. It real talk the the some the of, some of the armor, yeah. The aesthetics of the armor in this game generally is not the best. I think they added a toggle option that turned off the headgear for all the armor. Yeah. And that was, like, necessary. The only armor that I actually liked what they put on her head was the one I wore the most often, which was the, the like, protector heavy. The one with all the, like, ele- like a little bit of everything mm-hmm. protection. Um, and I thought that one was okay. Mm-hmm. But, like, the headgear for almost every other armor looked fucking ridiculous. Like, the arrow breaker. Oh, yeah. armor, it's literally just a folded over strip of leather with, like, metal shit poked through it. Like, it doesn't even... It, was it looked so bad. It was yeah. like every time I accidentally wore that for a cutscene, I was like mad about it. Yeah. Yeah, it never bothered me that much. But in a lot of games, I will hit a point where I'm just I'll just like try on everything and just enjoy like the aesthetics of all the different things and be like, oh, I wish this was like MMOs where I could like pick like this armor set is what I want to look like. And this armor set is the stats I want. Yeah, I want that out of every single game ever. Just all the time. But, you know, like I, I want my armor choices to reflect on my character but I also want the option to have set A, which is my like my aesthetic look, and set B, which is my my practical like stats. I don't I don't feel bad when a game doesn't have it, but every time it does, it just warms me up inside. But but yeah, and I've got to say, I was kind of bummed in this one where like I, you go through and you're like, yeah, no, like these are it's neat to see all the different ones. But yeah, there wasn't any where it was just like, oh man, this looks fucking sick. Yeah, but but yeah, that first one though, I feel, it just feels so iconic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I put like one reduced range damage mod on it because yeah. it only had one mod slot, yeah. and then I was like, okay, well, I don't want to put the effort into thinking about what I might actually need to protect myself from. Yeah. Also, I like this look, so this is it, I guess. Yeah. I will say, I wish it was a little easier to change your armor, uh, because like uh, Justin, I did the same thing as you, where like it's like, okay, so here's the armor that has fire resistance. So let me double down on that. Let's not try and make every set of armor like a jack-of-all-trades thing. Like, let's make that the thing that I'll wear when I'm fighting, like, a fire-based enemy. Right. I really wanted the option to change my armor in, like, fewer than five button presses. Because when it comes down to it and you're just, like, you're running around and you're like, oh, like, fire bellow back. I 
I never want to do that and then pause the game, swap out my armor, swap out all my weapons. Like it just it's too much for every one little fight you get into. Yeah. Which is I feel like that was a lot of it where it was like it, it feels like there are these whole deep interesting systems here that like I want to engage with. And I get that it's this whole sense of like, yeah, you go out, you prepare before a hunt, whatever, but when I need to kill like ten of these things to get them to drop the part that I want but I'm also going to fight other shit in between because I can't just like find 10 of them. Right. It, that was the whole thing for me where it's why I ended up just defaulting to that same base set of weapons that covered most of my bases and the stealth armor. So like, Oh, I can use this in everything. I know that like I'm fighting Chilmaz and they like, uh, or snap moss and they keep killing me because they shoot those ice things out of their mouth. And it gets me every fucking time. Like I should equip ice defense armor. But I don't want to do it for just two guys. And that was the big... I really I really hope that uh, in the future that's something they can get to. I, I don't know. It was one of the mechanics that really... It's not enough for me to not like the game, but it's there's definitely friction there that, that feels like it's preventing me from really engaging with the game on the level that it feels like it wants to be played, you know? Yeah, I, I read something about loadouts, which are like a thing that I did not play with. I don't remember that at all is that I, so when i finished the main story it was after several several patches had come out because mm-hmm. i didn't actually finish the main story until yesterday i very deliberately kind of stretched it okay um and at the end they have a big message as a, like a big thank you message but it has changed as they have patched things because like now it talks about new game plus and ultra hard difficulty and all this stuff that they've added since then and it also mentioned loadouts oh. and it mentioned it in a way that i feel like you don't even you only get it in new game plus maybe it was weird. That would be a shame. Um, but just the idea that, like, you you can set, like, a specific armor and a specific weapon set, maybe. That's what I assume a loadout should be, generally. And being able to, like, hot swap between those much easier would be, like, yeah, kind of exactly that would be what we would have wanted. Because I was, I was definitely on the same page. I, the only times I ever really changed my armor was when I was, like, go, when I knew I was facing a bunch of regular people. And I would, like, change to either melee or, or like, ranged protection. Mm-hmm. Or if I, like, knew a very specific kind of fight was coming up. But otherwise, like, yeah, I would just use my general kind of protect me against almost everything armor. Yeah. And and go from there. Makes sense. I feel like there's, like, a realism aspect to it. Like, it makes sense that you're kind of, you have four weapons that you can get to very quickly or whatever on your person. But, like, it makes less, I mean, it doesn't make any sense that you can carry around, like, eight sets of armor and change them at will. Yeah. But they were, like... It's one thing to, like, go into a menu and break the immersion and change your armor versus, like, changing your armor from, like, an armor wheel yeah. in-game and having it just change. But, like, I I can understand the hang-up, but at the same time, they're essentially the same thing, and so I kind of hope they can move, if that is the problem, that it's just something they can kind of move past. Anytime you use the armor wheel, there's there's a cutscene where Aloy, like, runs behind a rock and, like, <laughs> rapidly does an outfit change. Into a phone booth or a revolving yeah. door. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's really a tough thing because I feel like I understand what what I'm supposed to get out of having to do that, that preparation stuff, exactly what you're saying, Justin. But yeah, it's it's that kind of thing where I'm like, well, but if I'm going to do that, then like I, I, I don't have the time to do that before every just individual group of enemies. Like that's the thing that made it too much for me. If it was like when it was like, OK, you're going to go hunt this kind of machine for a mission, then I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get all ready for this. I know I'm going to have to fight 10 other kinds of machines before I find that. And I'm going to be ill-equipped for that, but whatever. I'm I gonna, have a target. I'm that's my I'm going to commit to this fiction that like I'm I'm getting ready for like to hunt that one thing. Mm-hmm. That was the one instance where I was like, yeah, I can do that. But it was a lot harder when it was just like, yep. 
and now there are Glint Hawks. Man, feels like there's a certain amount of elegance to to just really committing to the first armor set that you ever get and not, <laughs> not thinking, thinking about, about this ever? changing it. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, armor concerns only only occurred to me when Justin came out and was like, hey, you should buy more armor. And I was like, eh, or should I just upgrade my, my potion pouch and, and buy a lot of potions? Yeah. yeah I, didn't, I didn't get, I was playing like, close to the end and Karim was sitting and watching some of it. it was like you can only hold six potions yeah what's yeah. wrong with you yeah my potion pouch was max upgraded yeah because i had to heal a lot <laughs> but it worked yeah so before we i think this seems like a good a good time to shift over into our post spoiler section we we've kind of laid out some basic mechanical stuff and then we can get sort of in depth into things but before we do that uh let's do kind of just like a pretty basic run around what did what did everyone think i it seems like we're all pretty positive so far and we've certainly, like, enjoyed it enough to actively think through a lot of these things, so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I really love the game. Um, it has its shortcomings. It definitely has problems that, that I have noticed and that I acknowledge and stuff that I can see mechanically didn't work that didn't bother me and stuff that did. Uh, but it's one of those games where it, it still, despite that, kind of felt like it was firing on all cylinders most of the time. And the places where there are problems are the kinds of places where I'm used to seeing problems in like the first game of a franchise and the, the kind of stuff that I, I like expect to be worked on for a sequel now that they've built this building block. And it's almost like I need to see that sequel before I can almost finalize how I'm going to feel about those things. If it makes sense. They're like things that I'm willing to forgive with this kind of expectation. They're going to be improved in a, in a franchise in a world that I have grown to really like in a first entry. I really liked it. Um, It takes a lot to get me out of bed for a single player narrative focused game. And, um, horizon zero dawn really delivers uh so i i would definitely i would recommend this game to anybody who golly just can sit down and play a single player game and who likes shooting a bow mechanics yeah i would say i liked the game a lot um i i would not say i loved it uh it for me i guess one important kind of caveat to this whole thing though is this is the kind of game that i don't let myself play often um i really don't enjoy uh the kind of big open world million side quest collectathon not collectathon but that lot of collectibles a lot of just stuff kind of games uh i really actively don't like the way that i get when i play them i don't like the way they make me feel uh and i think that by and large uh they do a really poor job of telling stories um it's but that said i know about enough about myself to know that i'm the kind of person who really gets kind of a mixed sense of satisfaction when i check boxes and just this sense of anxiety when i have like boxes that i'm not checking so it's the kind of thing where i know that that feeling of satisfaction is the reduced anxiety that i get when i start a thing like that so it's not actually that it makes me feel good, it's that it makes me feel bad at first and then progressively less bad until I come back up to zero. So it's, which is why I don't generally let myself get into these kinds of games. So all of that said, that I'm coming from a place where this style of game is generally not for me. Um, like, I mean, I would say as an example, it's why I platinumed Fallout 4 despite actively disliking that game. 
um, is like that was the compulsion that set in for that. Um, actually, I platinumed this as well because again, that same feeling. Um, all of that said, I think that this is a super strong game in that category that I have fundamental issues with. Um, for me, one of the big kind of saving graces is that while I still think it has a lot of problems telling its story uh, and a few beats in the story with which I take issue, um, I think it does a an exceptional job, though, with storytelling in this kind of game. Um, I think that that's where so many of these games fall short. It's what really stops me from enjoying it. It's what makes them feel incomplete and like they're just throwing shit at me to do. Uh, in this those story missions feel consequential it feels like there's a world having done uh like gone deep into a lot of the side quests and errands for the game um it creates a lot of really good moments and interesting characters and really a world that feels interesting and lived in um so i thought in a lot of those ways it's extremely successful uh but in a lot of ways it's also still just a big open world lots of side quests like it for all of those like really great side quests and errands there's also a bunch that are just bad mm. it's a lot of just get this thing here's a person they want that like and there's a side quest later on with like a doctor and it's like oh you need to get a doctor for these people and i'm like oh like i'm excited for this it's listed as like a side quest there are all these other side quests that were really cool um one of my favorites involves uh, a guy who trades like hunting shifts with someone so that these two other people who are into each other can go out and like spend time together yep. and he's worried because they're not coming back and you're like oh like i'll make sure they're safe he's like no no i'm sure they're safe i'm worried they're fucking and like they're just not going to come back and that's going to be on me like there are a bunch of really great ones like that but then there's also one where it's just like oh man we need a doctor go talk to this doctor and you talk to this doctor and you convince him to like go back and help these people and then that's just kind of it um if you're if you're not lucky enough to have the part that he wants, it's also a fetch quest. Exactly, and it's a really which annoying I was at fetch the time, quest. But... Yeah, so it that's one of the big things. Like it, it doesn't cut all of the fat from this kind of thing, and that fat really bothers me. It feels like that old dumb like level padding from uh, like old RPGs, right? Where it's like, yep, now you just need to grind for five hours because we've arbitrarily increased the level of the enemies in this area. Yeah, and it's just like it. it there's still that certain element to it that really that i really just don't like and i would love to see them continue cutting that down because i think they did a lot to really to really build on what this kind of game can do um but it's not quite there enough yet for me to really get a hundred percent behind it that said especially if you are someone who enjoys this kind of game anyway this is a great example of it like if you enjoy that ubisoft style like assassin's creed style i mean it really just every ubisoft game at this point yeah. um this draws a lot from that and i think improves upon that system in a lot of really meaningful ways um but i really can't bring myself to say that like i loved it or i thought it was amazing or anything like that i would say it's it really is great and they do some interesting stuff with the story and we'll talk some more about that later um but i don't know i i want to like this a lot more than i do um but for me i think the reality is it just still has a bunch of that dumb padding yeah i will say if you're like me and have the willpower to just say okay well i'm only going to do the main storyline now it's a really solid uh it's a really solid experience just progressing from one main story quest to the next i would imagine actually that's something that we should talk about um a bit more in full we talked about this a little bit but 
it, there is that one moment where I think that I think they set up too well to get to pull you away from the main story. Jokes on them. Yeah. So I I I'm kind of in between. I think James, I'm kind of in the same camp as you are in that I found it thoroughly enjoyable. Um I maybe did want to like it more than I actually did and try to convince myself at times that I liked it more than I really did. Uh but I mean, it's certainly an engaging game. The environments are beautiful. The story is interesting enough to, like, you know, keep you interested. Um, although, I, I, you know, it's... It, there is a little bit of a... Some common themes that you see in a lot of other games that kind of pop up. Um, I thought that a lot of the side quests were interesting, but I also might have started very being very picky about them uh during the second half of the game because i did i didn't like completely after meridian cut off all side quests i just became like very very choosy about them um based on whether i can get a sense from the very brief description if they were going to be just you know um waste of time or actually interesting story-wise um i did and again, this could just be because I'm, like, really shit with combat sometimes, but I found combat to be a little frustrating. I think also because there would be weapons I just wouldn't use for a really long time, and I didn't want to relearn how to use them effectively when the time finally came, when it was like, okay, I obviously need to change up what I'm doing. Um, cauldrons I found kind of frustrating because they were just difficult for me, and... I don't know. I don't know whether, like, what I got out of them at the end was really worth all the trouble that went into uh, getting through them. But, I mean, I like the music. I know that's something I say about pretty much every game we cover. <laughs> but I like the music in this one as well. Uh, I've been listening to the to the soundtrack at work a lot since I since I beat the game because I, I don't know, I guess I feel like now the music doesn't have spoilers so I can listen to the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, sound, track titles for for game soundtracks can have spoilers yeah. in them. So, yeah. Well, I mean, there this is, is that track that plays at the end that just just reiterates <laughs> all of the twists in the game. It's weird. It's like a Greek chorus, and yeah. they just they just tell you the entire story you just experienced. Yeah. Very bizarre choice, especially because I haven't, I wasn't, I mean, you know, Greek themes, I guess, come in a little bit later, but we'll get into that post spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend this game for sure to, like, people who like environment exploration and post-apocalyptic stuff. Also, I like Aloy as a character. Like, she's fun. Um, she's... She has... For, it's interesting. For someone... For a character who has, like, a dialogue wheel at time. I mean, given it's not a dialogue tree the way that, like, Bioware has dialogue trees, like, your options are much more limited, I feel. Um, Aloy has a very distinct personality that you can't really change a whole lot. You can kind of pick whether she's a little bit more clever about things or whether she's going to be a little bit more compassionate or whether she's just like, fuck all of you. I'm going to be like super aggressive and mean. Um, but I kind of like that she did things that like I wouldn't do if I had the option to role play this a little bit more. Like, she was 
much more stubborn and kind of very teenagery, I guess, about things. Yeah. Um, and I like that she had this very distinct personality. Um, it was, it, I don't know, it was fun to play out. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's one of the things that, um, I think it's such a great example. I that's That I think is one of really the peaks in the game is giving you some control over Aloy as a character and as a person, but not so much that she ever feels inconsistent. It's one of the big areas, I mean, fans of the show will remember, this was one of my really big issues with Fallout 4. Uh, I thought it was just a huge failing in that game, and this game really nails it. it you have that like certain level of control, but Aloy feels like a very specific person. Uh, I love games that let you play as a character. Like, not yourself, not like, oh, you make these choices and you have this impact on the world. It's like, no, Aloy's a person, it's her story, this is what she's got going on. Like, you take a backseat to that. I, I really like it, yeah. I think she was also, like, they did a really good job of taking the, the points at which you can make one of those, like, the there were the three, like, you know, emotions more or less for you for lack of a better word that you could make Aloy feel or exhibit in certain dialogue scenarios and how I kind of jumped between like whatever I thought was best in that situation. I was never consistently any one thing, mm-hmm. um, but they all felt in character for Aloy. There was never a time when you like would choose to be aggressive and she got like angrier than you would expect or like, yeah, just you know, just like, child. yeah, just like, just yeah. like punches someone out of nowhere or yeah. a, murders is, a child. There's certainly no doubt in L.A. Noir. <laughs> Which yes, is the exactly. standard by which I judge any outrageous uh, consequences of a seemingly innocent dialogue choice. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they 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 made it. They they created this fairly complex and interesting character who could believably exhibit any of these things at any given time, and they they also wrote those well. And, and that think, was awesome. And I think one of the other just big things is that they're they're few and far between. It, you don't have the option to, it's like, oh, for my first thing in the sentence, I'm going to be compassionate. And in the second thing in the sentence, I'm going to punch them. Like, it's, it, <laughs> yeah. you, you have maybe like one or two of these options in any given conversation, but most conversations don't have any at all. Right. It, you, you don't have that chance to make your character inconsistent. It's, nope, in this conversation, because like, it, the kind of thing where it's like, oh, I can be compassionate with this person because I feel that they are deserving of compassion or i can be like like a i can be sarcastic to that person because i just like fuck them or i'm gonna be aggressive in this situation because they did this thing to me even with the same person but it's like yeah no because people are complex but they don't let you just oscillate wildly to the point where you feel like you aren't a consistent character anymore it's it's i think it's very smart yeah so let's take that spoilers break yeah, let's get let's get a bit deeper into this. Um, At fifty minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We do uh, have a, an abnormally large amount of dead time in this episode between the intro. Okay, at forty-seven minutes. I was going to say yeah, but not quite enough to make it's it fair. Like our regular time. Yeah, so we're going to get into spoilers now. Um, so for anyone who's just kind of casually listened to the last forty whatever minutes of the podcast, um, there's going to be a spoiler break. Uh, we're still not doing summaries. Uh, I think that that looks like that's going to be the way it continues from from here on in, um, but. We are going to talk about our next topic. Our next topic is going to be witches. This is going to be our spooky topic for the year. We are going to be reading Howl's Moving Castle. We are going to be watching The Witch. And we are going to be playing Banjo-Kazooie, the best witch game of all time, as, as we have determined. Yeah. Um, 
So that is going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be starting up not next episode, but the one after that. Next episode will be our topic episode for all of Women of the Apocalypse, where we will be discussing Tank Girl and Mad Max Fury Road and Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, That will be a purely spoilers episode, as always. Uh, So we're hopeful that you come back for that. And for now, we're going to talk spoilers for Horizon Zero Dawn. I really wish that we had been able to see the intro conver- the like introductory speech for every single subsystem of Gaia. Yeah, we only yes. got like 3 or 4 of them I wanted, and I wanted, I wanted every single every one. Every single one I, I wanted to know about every single head of every project and I wanted all of that. They want you to come back for the second one. That's how they get you. They <laughs> they know that we're a whole bunch of nerds who want to know everything about this like system to save the world. Yeah, but no, I completely agree. That was when that happened in the game. That was such a great like like it just it was very much like a, you know, you had my interest, but now you have my attention. Like I fantastic like I was I wanted to know about this, but I was ready for it to be dumb video game hand waving. Like I was at the point. I don't, actually, I'll roll this back. Yeah, a I think bit. this is a good point to talk about that. Yeah, because I, I'm going to keep it short because I do want to talk very much about just how interesting the end of the game gets. Uh, I think that this game has does a is too clever for its own good at one point in the pacing of the storytelling. I think that the game has a compelling narrative thread as it is trying to get you to Meridian because you've got all this stuff. You've got this intrigue you've got a cult you've got like betrayal you've got murder you've got revenge all everything that makes like a fun story just packed in to that the beginning of that main quest line you don't give a shit about where and why and when you are you just know that these fuckers came and killed a bunch of people and you are going to murder the shit out of them for that and part of that is you want to get to meridian it's this big like gem in the distance it sounds so cool you want to get there it's a great driving force right As you start doing that, though, and you start wrapping up those kind of early Meridian story quests, you you get through, you help out the Sun King, you deal with everything for Avad, like this is is working out. You hit a point where I think the game is starting to set set up its later twists by getting you to think you know what's going on. Uh, So specifically, uh, when... It starts being like, oh, we got it. We're gonna like find out more about like what happened to the old world and what's up with these machines. And I'm just like, no, I've played video games before. The machines killed everybody. Like, we got too big for our britches. We made a bunch of death machines, and there we go. And the next mission that you go to ends up being just that, right? Like, you go, you dig in, and it's like, oh, turns out these guys they made a bunch of death machines, and who knew they killed everybody? So it's like, okay, it it feels so uninteresting. And this is happening at the exact same time that the world really opens up to you. Like, I remember having this wonderful moment as I just kind of came into the desert area and I fought my first Stormbird. And I said out loud, how do I do more of that? That's all I wanted. Just, like, let me find more giant things to hunt. That was fucking sick. And so right at that same moment where all I wanted to do was just see what else was in this world... The story hits this low point where I feel like, yep, I know where it's going. This is not very interesting. Let me put that off for a while. And I put it off for weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks of just doing side quests and this interesting stuff and fleshing out the world. And it wasn't until I was like, I really got to get this like done for the podcast that I forced myself back to do those main quests. And then the twists started coming. 
maybe not even twists, just like the layers. It started like folding over on itself and yeah, you I mean, started I think getting that sense. It's it's easy to refer to like that point, right? I It's not a twist so much as it is just like they really do kind of build up your expectations in, mm-hmm. a, in this in this one certain path. And they're like, nope. And it's it's really smart, but it dovetails poorly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's the thing where it, it feels like on one hand, it's great design. Because I was pushing those main quests pretty hard as I was trying to get to Meridian. And it felt like it was giving me... It felt like the game was giving me leave to go and catch up on my side quests and just see the world. And it's like, oh, you've got this big new environment. Don't worry, the next main quest doesn't seem all that interesting. Don't feel bad about not doing that right now. Go and check out the environment. But it took a long time for the environment to become less interesting to me than what looked like a very predictable main quest. I think this was affected a little bit by the fact that I was doing the vantage points because I thought those were really cool. If you haven't done the vantage points collectibles, those are my favorite collectibles in the game. Um, Because you go and you're getting this story from an engineer about, like, his life and his mom and his stepdad. And it's really this good, cool, personal story, but it's wrapped up in the robot apocalypse. And I'm just like, yep, I understand what's going to happen because I only know as much as this engineer. So it very much sets up your expectation that just, yep, the robots kill everybody. Because as far as he knows, that's what happens. He doesn't know about project zero dawn he doesn't know about gaia he doesn't know about elizabeth sobeck he just knows that the world's going to shit and so he's gonna go on this pilgrimage to places that were important to him in his life and leave these spikes that show you what the world used to look like and that totally set up my expectation that i knew exactly what was going to happen at the end of the game i pushed through that and it turned out it was very clever writing because it was written from an actual character's perspective at no point does he go huh like if only there was some kind of twist that would make this standard robot apocalypse story more interesting. But I guess there's not, because I don't know about that, because I die before it all happens. Like, it, there's no just ham-fisted dumb thing there to, like, point you towards the fact that the writing is actually better than that. But that pacing, I think, is too clever for its own good, because it pushed me so far away from that main storyline right before it got good again. But damn, did it know how to get good again. Like, just building up this whole project, you immediately get, like... 12 new characters all of whom are interesting and and all of whom you learn about via audio logs and text logs and occasional holograms yeah yeah uh this is a point that i've i've made i can't remember to whom in this group but i am not uh the kind of person who i don't do collectibles i don't do trophies i don't like i don't platinum things i don't care about picking everything up and I usually I don't care about games who try to like who try to drip feed me story via collectibles and, and pickups and things like that. I picked up every single scrap of information I could possibly find uh, related to the the Project Zero Dawn and and those characters and everything. Every single thing. I was just like, give me more of this. I want this. They just nailed audio logs in a way that I have never expected. Like, normally it's a thing in games that I kind of hate. And I just think they... I don't know if I agree with that, though. I don't know that I agree with the idea that they nailed audio logs. I just think that they wrote a better story than most games. No, I shouldn't say it, because it's not a better story. It's a more engaging story than most games. I don't think it's that they did a good job with audio logs. I think it's interesting content that happened to be in an audio log. I guess that's more what I mean, is games sort of relegate fluff that is not all, all that interesting to audio logs. 
and that is not what happened here is kind of more what i meant yeah like you get deep background that most of the time is kind of useless in a lot of other games that do audio logs as like collectibles Mm -hmm. here the content of them actually felt compelling yeah because i would say because the big thing because the big thing that jumps to mind for me is when you say like it in a way that other games like nailed audio logs in like a way that other games don't the games that jump to mind for me for audio logs are things like bioshock which I do think does a better job with audio logs. Mechanically, but, absolutely. I, mechanically, yes. But also even just with the content. Like that, here it's interesting because this ends up being interesting. Whereas, I don't know, I, I think the big difference for me is that while this story was engaging, Bioshock's was compelling. And so Bioshock put compelling information in its audio logs. This put interesting information in its audio logs. And I will always take compelling over interesting. So that's I, I would say that would be the big caveat I would have for that. And yes, mechanically the audio logs don't work very well at all. I, I I yeah I well I will say my experience being with Bioshock Infinite, um I I listened to them if I found them, but I didn't care that much hmm. like ever. I mean, Infinite ever. was also probably the worst of them. That's that's fair. I played a lot of you know a lot of these style of games that have you know that drip feed you audio log information, and I just uniformly just do not care like i'm like okay well this this is nice i'll I'll listen to it if it doesn't inconvenience me we we talk about the mechanics for audio logs and horizon being horizon zero dawn being just bad like it's it is not good user uh user experience to try to listen to these audio logs despite how much work i had to put in to listen to and and read every single thing i i i would i'd sit there i'd finish a level There'd be a bunch of audio logs and then I'd activate one and I'd sit there and listen to it, activate the next one and sit there and listen to it and act like again and again and again. I, I deliberately inconvenienced myself in order to get the story contained in these audio logs. Agreed. Which I don't know. You know, you can you can talk about compelling versus interesting, but that for me is a mark of just how well they did. Yeah. Oh, I think it's very interesting. And it's very engaging. Uh, yeah, I would very much agree with those. Um, yeah, that whole Zero Dawn Gaia narrative just was... That got very interesting. I'm really curious to what degree that will pull me through, say, a second game. Yeah, because we're kind of past I mean, that. Well, I mean, they set up for it hardcore. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but they... I, I just, like, in terms of the... Like, we, that story is, you know, that story is, you know, it's solved, right? Kind of like we we have most, if not all, like definitely not all, but a vast majority of the information that's kind of important to that whole storyline. Yeah, to the arc. And so there are definitely little questions. There's two, I guess, like big questions that come out of it that clearly set up for for sequel stuff. Um, But we're not we're not i don't think we're going to be spending the kind of time that we did with these characters or the storyline right and that's for that to have been the thing that really pulled us in that's yeah it's like if the sequel is going to be less about these things am i going to end up less engaged in that it's the thing that makes me wonder because i i don't necessarily know that it would be less about those things i want to know more about those characters like corinne you were saying i want to know more about the uh, the heads of all the other subsystems i want to know about the other subsystems I mean, I, subsystems I guess, like, seem to have personalities. Like, I want to meet them. Yeah, I, uh, they could definitely... There's room to explore it more. Yeah. It feels like the kind of thing that I would expect a game to kind of be like, yeah, we told you the main story about this whole thing. That's what matters. Now we're going to explore this world. But realistically, 
given the expectations I can have coming out of the storyline, like they're going to want to show more. And I mean, the big thing for me was I was way more interested in the characters than the story, right? Like the plot itself is, is engaging, but it's not, I don't know. It doesn't feel like it has something to say. It didn't like pull me through. It was, it was reasons why the world was the way it was. And it was better thought through than in a lot of games. Yeah. It, it was well thought through. It was very engaging. I liked it a lot. But that was not what like the chief thing that was pulling me through. I wanted to know these people, you know, and mm-hmm. I thought that's really where the writing and the storytelling shined was really fleshing out even like some of the minor sub characters. I mean, there's a side quest where there's a guy who just like wants to drink machine oil. Oh, and I he's hated fucking that quest crazy. so much. I love that guy. That was amazing. I love that guy. I hated that quest. It was just a series of, of fetch quests. See, the big the thing that I liked was you could take it and then just go until you happened to find that machine. And just not care about it. So it never felt like a fetch quest, at least for me. Because it was just, eventually I will kill a Thunderjaw. Yeah, for, for me, I didn't I didn't come across him naturally. Yeah. So I ended up seeking him out to, to wrap that one up. Because it was like, it was literally the only one that I hadn't kind of found myself. Yeah. And so it was just, go kill this thing. Yeah. All right, go kill this thing. All right, go kill this thing. Yeah. But uh, the, the reason why I bring it up, though, is like just that characterization that goes even into those characters works so well. And again, in like these heads of these departments. Like that... I would love to see more of that. I, I completely agree. One big question that I had there, though, and I was wondering if any of you had gotten an answer to this and I just, like, missed it. But why 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 is Hades? Did they just... Is it just because this is a, a video game, so one of the subsystems had to be the evil one? There are a couple of things that sort of explain his creation. Um, it is, mostly comes out of Pharaoh. Is it the kill switch thing? Yes, because Hades. Hades is, yeah, no, no, no. That's, no, I know because no, Hades isn't is wrong. Hades isn't a kill switch. Hades, Hades is a subsystem. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you're right that Hades is a subsystem, but the chronology is wrong for it to be the kill switch. No, Hades is not the kill switch. Yeah, Hades is Hades is a built is a plan built in part of Gaia uh, that will basically, if if Gaia makes a mistake, terraforming the world and like like build something that's untenable. Mm-hmm. Um, the the whole logic was that Gaia cares too much and will try to make it work anyway. Whereas mm. Hades is there to say no, this isn't this isn't going to work. We need to bring start this. From scratch, we yeah. need to start from scratch. Got it. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing that we're just somewhere I must have missed because for, yeah. for me that was the big thing that felt like it was missing from a story that otherwise really explained itself. And I can like suspend my disbelief and just be like, yep, there was an evil one because there had to be an evil one. Conflict. No, but, I, like, I thought Hades made a lot of sense. Like that makes sense. I must just yeah. That's that the thing. Log. Once you once you are get the information behind Hades, he's not just like yeah. He is not just like blindly evil. Like yeah, he has sense. a purpose. Hades like, has a purpose and is working towards it, but just without oversight. Like yeah. Well, yeah, he's supposed to have complete disregard for life, right? So that's like that's literally his purpose, and so. The fact that he's sort of single-mindedly pursuing the extinction of all life on the planet, yeah, yeah, that was that was the thing that I missed, and that's why I wanted to ask it because it seemed unlikely that that was just not in the game. It seemed way more likely that I just blanked for that bit because yeah, because it felt because to me it felt like just like yep, and then they made an evil one, which seemed like a bad move. No, they made a reset button yeah. and it it got out of hand. Yeah, because there's <laughs> there is that conversation where uh they're talking about needing a kill switch for Gaia but that chrono- chronologically falls after the Hades part of the project has begun when that's right. why I was frustrated with that cuz I was like well but that can't 
be it. Like, I appreciate how this, like, gives context to the characters, but that doesn't explain Hades because it's been established that they've, like, hired on Travis to work on Hades before that conversation occurred. So it was that kind of thing where I was like, no, like, I don't think it's that. There must be some purpose for it, but I I had missed that part. Yeah, that was the thing that was really just confusing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Did anybody else get a get a her vibe from Elizabeth and Gaia towards the end there. <laughs> oh yeah. Totes. Yeah. I, I, I like, I came out of like seeing their first couple interactions. Like, well, damn, now I ship Elizabeth and Gaia. Like they're really into each other. Oh yeah. Um, and then I was like, Oh, Aloy has two mothers. <laughs> one of them's an AI. <laughs> and one of them's her, her. genetic uh, original. Which, I mean, Silence like literally says that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, what do you mean you didn't have a mother? You had two. It's like, well, yeah. But not even just like incidentally. Like, yeah, they were, they were pretty into each other. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which is also kind of weird though, because Elizabeth is kind of also Gaia's mom. There's a lot of. There's a lot of. Yeah. Don't think about. There's it too, too much, much to unpack. But there. we just. There's a lot of complicated relationships. Yeah, just exactly. inherent in that. <laughs> yeah, but and I feel like yeah, it comes down to for me like what was so successful about the game, and I think it's why this game can tell a story in a big open world when I don't think any other game can in like a successful way. Is that it's not about the plot. Like the plot is engaging, the plot is interesting, but the plot is relatively shallow. I I. I feel like that sounds like an insult, but I don't really mean it that way. I think that's the problem. I think a, like a deep in like a really deep plot does not work in this kind of game. I think it would be the wrong choice. No, like, it needs to it, be second to the world and the history that you're building. Yeah, which they, they nailed. and that worked really well. And the characters pulled you through, and it's so much easier to remember this is this character, this is what they're all about, as opposed to like, oh yeah, remember four missions ago that in like real world time was three months ago. When, like, someone made this passing comment, haha, foreshadowing. It's like, no, I don't, because, like, it, it's one of the big things. Big open video games are a super complicated medium for storytelling, but yeah. they're wonderful for character development and that world building. And normally that's not quite enough for me. And it's, it's part of why I still struggle with the game a little bit. But this one really does do, like, a really good job with that. It, it was the the scene where uh where ted farrow kills all of the alphas was like yeah. legitimately like like heartbreaking cuz yeah. i i had really become invested in these people and that's that's not something i can say too often about video games mm-hmm. in a large part because i like i said like i have mentioned a million times before i don't play narrative games that much so there's not a lot of opportunities for me to be like really like struck by something but like uh i remember I had really latched on to um, the creator of Apollo. I sure. can't remember the, her name off the top of my she's head. She's awesome. But yeah. She's incredible. And like, I I, I remember for that cutscene, I was standing by where she was sitting and I just like watched that whole thing play out and I was devastated mm-hmm. that like, all, like not only, not only was she dying here, but like she knew she was going to die but her she knew that her work was destroyed yeah. before she died yeah. and it was it was that was just painful yeah also just ted farrow man god fuck him 
And at the same time, I completely understand why he made that decision. Like, what he did at the end was 100% justifiable by everything we had seen from him, which is, it's great. Like, it's great that his motivations are so, they're, they're so clear. Like, he he thinks he's doing the right thing. He absolutely does. And I yeah. get it, but also fuck him. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's cliche, right? But, like, the best villains believe they're the good guys, that whole yeah. Yeah. that whole kind of thing but yeah i like and that's the thing like it that's they flesh him out in the right way to make you understand everything that he does mm-hmm. but yeah you still just hate him and i mean the game doesn't take the shortcut that so many things do and things that i think get praised totally unduly where they they give you that like oh no the best villains think they're the good guy and you know that this villain thinks that they're the good guy because at one point apropos of nothing they give a speech explaining that they think they're the good guy. Like, no, that doesn't make that a good villain. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, this is a character they worked on over a period of time who fucks up and is trying to deal with that fuck up and is, like, struggles with that in a lot of ways. And there are a million components to that. It. I think one of the strong points to understanding why Ted did what he did uh, is that me as a player, as I'm getting this story, I'm, I'm one of the... Th- questions that actively came to mind was wow like how can like how can they be so sure that this new brand of robots is going to not become bad guy robots yeah like that that was a that was a thing that like i a thought that occurred to me was just like that that's like a lot of like faith or hubris or whatever to to have to to say this project will not be an evil robot project yeah oh don't worry these ones just won't be evil. Yeah. We've got that taken care of. To be fair, like, she did it. Yeah. Like, the whole team, they did it, and it, it worked, but... Well, sort of, though, right? Because then Hades gets out of control, and, like, the good guy robots start becoming aggressive, and they start developing, like, borderline bad guy robots. Like, it, it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, because that only happened because of what Ted did. But it's... It's a scary thing. Not a scary thing, but it's in narrative. Yeah, it's that was a big risk. I just I really love how that whole that that whole arc of the narrative played out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the last three missions, as you're just really getting to know all of the alphas and just the, like the Gaia people, like the initial interview stuff, and then learning who these guys are as people. It was just, it, it was like some of the the coolest content I've played through in a really long time. It was neat. What did everyone think of silence? Because he was all over the board. I hated the stinger. I really actively disliked that. Just like where it, like in like the penultimate mission, he's just like, well, I've been a major character all game. Time for me to peace out. And he's like, that seems odd and abrupt. Like right after he like comes. I got what I wanted. I'm later. Yeah. And, like, he gives you some reasons that, like, make some internal sense. But it's like, yeah, from a storytelling perspective, this seems odd. And then, lo and behold, it's just like, ah, ha, ha, I'm evil still. But not, like, evil, like, just selfish. Yeah. yeah I like I that about him. I like that his, like, his core character flaw is that he is just very selfish. Yeah, I mean, I like that he's... very upfront about that. I like that he's consistent. Yeah. And he, he, ha- he doesn't really have, like, an arc through the game. Like, he doesn't grow. Yeah. He has the way his ways, and he is set in them. And his, like, you know, 
tenuous partnership with Aloy doesn't really change that. Yeah. Which I really liked. But yeah, I was I was kind of iffy on the the setup. Are we? What are we talking about specifically? The 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 post credit scene. The well, we're talking about his departure. All, him in general. Silence is a character, including all okay. of those things yeah. you just said. I say I liked him before that. I did not like the end to the thing. I liked like I, I don't mind setting him up as a villain, but I felt like that that ending bit was awkwardly handled. It it's where he started to shift from being kind of an interesting character to feeling like an sort of an unfortunate plot device for the sake of setting up a sequel. Yeah, I. I don't know if, you know, if I had the reins here, if that's the direction I would have gone with things. Um, However, I don't think it's necessarily, like, out of line for his character. I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's a mediocre story choice, but a perfectly reasonable character choice, which is an interesting position to... I think it's pretty consistent with a lot of the game. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd buy that. It just, it just takes it a, like a little bit further than that, which I feel like is what you're saying. It's just like it's not a choice that you would make, but it makes sense. I, it just ends up going, you know, it takes him from like brusque and selfish dude who just kind of does these things because he wants knowledge or information or power, or however he sees it, to like, you know, maniacally laughing on a I, mountaintop I didn't villain. Read that at all. I read it as pure arrogance silence is convinced that this time around he knows how to keep hades caged so that he can get what he wants from hades like this isn't this isn't he's not being evil he's you know he found out apollo was destroyed he has no other way of accessing the information from the old world he's got apparently this magic lantern that can summon the spirit of hades from the machine body which sure like hand wave that away but what he's got now is Hades who he has he recognized he let it get too powerful that like that is one of his driving forces is I let this situation get out of hand he's got more knowledge now he's got the the tools to make it happen and he's like okay I can't get my information any other way this is how I'm gonna get it I'm gonna trap Hades and I'm going to control him because now I'm smarter and now I know not to like now I know how to control this situation yeah I it maybe maybe it's more maybe the thing that rubs me weird is more that arrogant person in search of more knowledge makes obviously terrible choice just feels a bit more cliche than what so much of the rest of the game was doing at that point. Right, which maybe is maybe that's what rubs me weird. Which is why I say it's a mediocre story choice but a perfectly oh, yeah. justifiable character choice. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Yeah. I which is why I'm saying I maybe that's more Maybe that's a better way to articulate, yeah, what I'm getting at. Like that, that, yeah, maybe that is where the the frustration came from was that it in a game that seemed to largely skew away from a lot of those cliches or like think more deeply about a lot of those cliches or investigate those or unpack them a bit more. I just felt so rough to like end on end on one. Yeah, I'm on board with that. We talk more about the the ending. I kind of well first off I loved what they did in the in the setup for the final the final mission one of my favorite things that games like this can do is to pull in all of your side stories for a brief like hey you were a thing mm-hmm. um 
so by playing all of the the side quests, you pull in a bunch of these characters who assist in the defense of of Meridian, which I just always really enjoy. Hmm. Um, but and uh, the the stuff with fending off hordes of of machines with Osram cannons was really cool and kind of fun. But man, did the final boss, final fight, whatever, just being another Deathstalker was kind of super underwhelming. Like I don't know that. There was a great way to do it, yeah. but it was just, like, it was dull. It was a fight that you had literally done several other times in the game, and they made it increasingly more difficult previously, but there wasn't anything left to make it difficult. Like, I think it dealt a little more damage, but they even gave you people to fight with you. Like, it wasn't... Yeah, it was weird. It was just... Yeah. It was quick, and he, and part of it was that I had the shield breaker. Yeah. Um, but which... it also avoids kind of the unfortunate trope of, ending on like a really shitty too hard boss battle that has nothing to do with the rest of the game it is just like the worst moment in otherwise which which does not justify i agree that i thought the last the last fight was boring yeah it's but... it it almost overcorrects that thing right like yeah. instead of making it this massively hard like giant waves of too many robots or or like whatever they just swing wildly to the other side and just make it like a fight you've already won with some extra help it was a bit weird yeah but I really liked the like actual ending, um, with with Aloy like riding out and yeah, and finding cool. Elizabeth's body. Like I thought that was really that kind of that made me feel similarly to how I felt when uh, when Pharaoh killed all the alphas and all that stuff. Like the the emotional beats yeah, as the story was kind of winding down, I thought were all really good. There's also Elizabeth's actual like sacrifice moment, right when when guy is going to lose if they don't fix this thing and it means somebody has to lock themselves out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good game. What sort of final boss battle would you have preferred? I I mean, I that's kind of what I was getting at in saying that like I'm not sure what the best thing is that they right. could do. I just know that I was incredibly underwhelmed by what they did. Mm. Because again, like if you make it just waves and waves of enemies it's also kind of dull it 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 borders on maybe being too hard when you do that um like i i mean i don't know that i'm good enough a game designer to answer that question appropriately i just know that i didn't feel good about what they did yeah I but like i didn't I'm... i didn't have good theories or ideas for alternatives i feel like i would have wanted something closer to like the hunter trials where you've got something that's not just like a circular arena uh, you've got like actively like an interesting environment that you're navigating, uh, something that it would potentially encourage you to solve the problem in one of several ways. Uh, Even if it was like a hunt. Yeah, I, I a little bit on the fence about that because a lot of the hunts boiled down to just follow this trail to a place. Oh yeah, I mean but... like a literal hunt. I mean like here's the thing and you have to kill it, and here's this big open field that you've ended up in, and you have ways to like like a hunt as it was not done actually in the game. Yeah, something a bit closer maybe to that first uh uh like that first fight that you have when you're a kid with rost um against the uh the like sawtooth yeah against the sawtooth and it's like it's the the one that just teaches you about like looking at enemy movement patterns but something along those lines maybe i don't know like i because i agree like i i don't necessarily know what i what i would want but it doesn't change that this one felt a little bit underwhelming but i feel like that's what i would that's where I would want it to go. Something that engages a little bit more with the stuff that makes the game really cool mm-hmm. as opposed to the stuff that's in the game because it is an action game. Um, I feel like maybe something like that. 
that'd be that'd be the the general angle I would go. I feel like another wrong move would be Hades inhabits several different regular machine bodies, oh, and yeah. now you have to like fight a saber tooth. And yeah, now first you, you have... fight a super one of these, and then a, yeah, yeah, and now it's like a grazer, and like that would be funny, but yeah, you know it stuff like that was like I feel like that would be that would not quite be it, but um, even I feel like maybe if they did something with overriding machines. Like, if you had to, if if approaching the final battle, as opposed to just the, like, override, but the, like, the override doesn't just give you the ability to shut down Hades, but it also gives you, like, amplifies your override ability so you can override, like, a bunch, and then you progress into this mission and you have to, like, create your own sub-army of, like, machines and fight or something. Horizon 2 featuring the Nemesis system. Basically. But... Yeah, I I feel like that would be that would it, just off the top of my head. I feel like that would be the angle that I would go that might make it feel a little bit more special. Just like, something that that engages a little bit more with what actually made the mechanics in this game uh, cool and different, as opposed to just yep, it's a third person action game. Yeah, that's that's definitely the thing that I was not coming yeah. up with. That I think is absolutely the way to go. That'd be my gut. But yeah, I didn't think it was actively bad. It just felt like kind of a fine. I feel like a lot of games like this kind of end on notes like that, which makes it less bad in a way, right? Because it was just, it, I was almost expecting it. That's mm-hmm. just a problem that, yeah, no one's really solved yet. Yeah. I will say it was really frustrating because I ran out of wire. Ooh. Like, yeah. I, I guess I just, I didn't, I'm not, I wasn't used to running out of that thing. So I didn't like go, I didn't like check to see how much I had before sure. the final battle. Yeah. Uh, and the, the battle with, um, uh, the the eclipse leader mm-hmm. uh, really drained a lot of my my wire because I was using a lot of stuff that used that as a resource. Yeah. Um, and then I I you know did the other stuff and like got through that and then I was I was running towards the the final battle and I was going to make more arrows and it was like can't do that and I was like shit yeah so I like started looking for resource boxes and like stuff like that. Yeah. nothing gave you wire Wolf. yeah not a thing so i was just like well fuck me i guess yeah, i'll have to i'll have to modify my usual strategy and do different things which was very frustrating yeah. yeah i i consistently ran out of wire i think because um the precision arrows were my favorite and they shouldn't have been but they became my go-to and that just led to me running out of wire like all the time right when i needed it the most um and i felt shitty like buying wire from a merchant when you can but like it came to the point where i was like i don't have time to like go find this shit like i have to just buy it um and that was like super it was it's like it's that feeling in Zelda when you're like buying Deku nuts or something. Not that you should ever do that, but like it was a similar feeling. I had I had the worst possible version of that happen to me, which was running out of Ridgewood. Oh my god. Wow. I like there I hit a point in the game where I just actively stopped picking up most. I like, did too, and I like stuff. never went below a thousand. <laughs> well, part of it was that I was so stocked up on non Ridgewood things. That I never really had more than like seven fifty or a thousand uh-huh. in terms of stacks because I had so many stacks of chill water and sparkers and all the other arrow building nonsense. Because they're smaller stacks, yeah. So they right. take up more space. Um 
so I never, and yeah, I just, I hit a point where I was making a bunch of arrows and I couldn't make any more arrows. And I was like, shit. And then I was like, it is going to take me so long to build up enough fridge wood to feel comfortable. So I just went to a merchant. I mean, you buy a stack of 200 at a time when you buy them from a merchant and it's like not, you spend yeah, like nothing. nothing. So I didn't, it was like, okay, well, this isn't that bad. But I was like, wow, I just did that. Like yeah. I had to buy Ridgewood. This is. There was a certain point where uh, I was burning through potions faster than I could hunt animals or had time to hunt animals to do it. So I, I gave up that that uh, mark of pride at, at that point. I was just yeah. like, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to stock up on potions because I need them. And yeah. well, I'm buying like... potions I never really felt bad about. Although I think that was one good reason one or both of you was running out of wire. Because either, I think the full health potions, I don't know if you were buying them as much as you were buying the regular health potions or what, but they cost wire. That uh, was the first and only time I ran out of wire was when I started routinely stocking up on potions because I was using them more frequently. That's that's very possible. Yeah, I, I would not have minded even a little bit just buying 200 wire before the final battle. I just didn't realize yeah. that was a thing I needed to look out for. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. It wasn't until close to the end of the game that I was actually starting to, like, run out of our making resources because you spend so much of the beginning of the game kind of on foot always around picking up everything you find and all this and like i built up such a stash that i never had enough space for anything else i was constantly selling to free up like three or four spaces yeah that's something that i think uh, a sequel could really improve on is just the general inventory management uh, yeah. is it, it some of it's even just like the way that you funnel like it, you hit bottlenecks on certain resources like fatty meat uh is like used in like all of in a lot of stuff yeah but you can only hold it in like stacks of 25 and you have to actively hunt to get it well but I, it's even more that you almost everything like that will require fatty meat plus some other meat so you end up with these huge quantities of other meat because you're you can only use them as much as you have fatty meat yeah um so like it, little things like that where it's just like so as a result of that my inventory is filling up with other things and I can't use them or I can sell them, but I don't get much for them. And I want to have them when I do get the fatty meat and blah, blah, blah. It, it's kind of goofy, silly stuff. But I it would be nice to see just like another place where there's just some friction. It, not enough that it overcomes any of the other stuff. And I think it speaks to the, the highs of the game and the successes of it that there really are these moments of friction that if the rest of the game were not of such high quality would be these real like frustrating things. Yeah. But they end up being things that you are totally willing to put up with minor issues instead of like part of the pile on yeah. basically. Yeah. Even though they are minor issues that you rub up against a lot. Yeah. I think the thing for me is I needed to be willing to sell stuff that I was not willing to sell because there's hearts and lenses. You need to buy all kinds of stuff, but like I had everything yeah. I needed to buy. I, I should have just sold them all. I wish a few more things. I, I wish there was some way to know, like, cause the things that were marked, you know, this is good for selling for for metal shards, yeah. and it's also good for trading with merchants. I wish a few more of those things were just like, and it's only good for this one thing, so, yeah. you know, maybe just keep one on hand instead yeah. of ten stacks. You already have the bow that this lets you get, so... Just like, get rid of it. Yeah, yeah go if, to town. If, if, it, if that, like, trading for merchants thing went away after you got the thing that it was yeah, used that it for... Was good for. That would have been really nice. I had like, God, I had so much desert glass. Yeah. And stuff like that. And I was, I never even saw what that was used for trading for. There's a merchant that will trade you uh, 
like a special kind of reward box for it. God, I exactly. super don't care about reward boxes. Yeah, I, I ended wish up I could have just sold all those stacks. I, uh, I ended up doing like a bit of math on some of those and figuring out which ones, on average, uh, I felt I got more value from selling uh, versus the ones where, on average, I felt I got more value out of just getting the reward box. Uh, and then I just kept like a list of that next to me. I was like, yep, I'll keep as many of like, I don't remember where desert glass fell, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep all my desert glass. I'll sell like the other kind of glass because like the desert glass, the reward box feels like more worthwhile because it's something that's like harder to get than this or anything like that. But yeah. no, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's a frustrating thing. It's not, it's another one of those points of friction where it's, it's a great idea, like telling you what it's for. Cause it's like, because it totally could have gone like, you know, to reference the classic film, The Mighty Ducks, um, you know, half an inch in the other direction, right? Where it just doesn't tell you that at all. Like that's like that would have missed completely half an inch in the other direction. is like, oh, yeah, where it tells you what it's actually used for or like, oh, yeah, you don't really care about trading this in. That would have been a goal for sure. That would have been amazing. So I it feels like like a really interesting step towards being able to like solve the whole like, yep. You're getting currency by hunting things and selling stuff, but not quite there. I I completely I really want that extra step of you can trade it with merchants, but don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's just like a menu and it's it's Aloy holding up a shopping list and she's just got things checked off on it. Yeah, and like it it tells you what part the merchant's looking for, and she's like, well, I don't need that anymore. Even if it's that, like. Yeah. Yeah, I guess at best you can do you can do it manually if you put the effort in, right? It's like, but God, I, like, I'm yeah. super not gonna. Yeah, because yeah. it's realistically, I had all the things I wanted, right? Yeah. I knew this, and I could have just sold everything, but I wouldn't. Realistically, I also had all the things I wanted, but in the back of my head, it was like, well, I could get everything, I guess. I guess that's where we're in different places. I had, I had everything. Yeah, yeah. I like, I there was nothing left for me to buy, but I was still holding on to these things. Might just speak more to me than the game. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's definitely a system that needs a little bit of, a little bit of love. But, but I yeah. feel like if we've hit the point where we're getting into the minutia of inventory yeah. management, we might uh, we might have exhausted our, our topics. Yeah, I was gonna say. Do we? Is there anything else that anyone wants to hit on before we before we wrap? All right, that has been our Horizon Zero Dawn episode. Uh, we talked some at least about our our titular woman of the apocalypse uh but we will be speaking much more about her in the next episode when we talk about women of the apocalypse as a category in general we will be talking again about tank girl mad max fury road and more horizon zero dawn that will be coming up next in the podcast feeds. but for now thank you so much for listening Thanks for listening to this episode of Read, Watch, Play. If you want to help us out, the best thing you can do is tell your friends about the show. You can also rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to find us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RWP Podcast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash RWP Podcast. Check out our Tumblr at rwppodcast.tumblr.com. And look out for our game streams on Twitch at twitch.tv slash readwatchplay. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about Horizon Zero Dawn by Guerrilla Games. Games. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I can't Keep it. Listen.
Listen, that second that second word in my head for a split second was it was warfare? it was interactive. It was warfare. It was software. Yeah, like, so yeah just everything every that's not every single second word that you could possibly fit in development studio, just all at once. It's some kind of super word. I'm so sorry. Gorilla War Soft Games Interactive. At least I got episode right. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm so sorry. God, is it going to be one of those mornings? Are we keeping that? 